Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hey there, today's episode is deeply personal to me. I record this on January 2nd, 2024, a day after my mother-in-law, Margaret, made her transition from the physical into the spirit world. I'm going to make this a bonus episode available to everyone. So for my premium subscribers, I really appreciate uh, you supporting me. I know I've been a little bit remiss on getting you some episodes here toward the end of the year. I, I'll try to get back on a weekly schedule as we go forward, even though I never promised you that. But I'll try to get back to that as, as soon as I can. But I wanted to make this episode available to everyone because, as I said, it's deeply personal to me, and I. but I think it also will apply to everybody who's listening. So what I want to talk about is endings and new beginnings. And of course, this is a perfect time of year to talk about it. The second day of the year, you know, the joke is, I remember 2023 as if it was yesterday. So as we come to the end of the calendar year, the Gregorian calendar year, it's a time that we kind of mutually agree to reflect and to think to think of the close of one thing and the opening of another. And I experienced so much of that in the last couple of days. So this weekend started with my nephew Adam's wedding. He was marrying his bride, Emily, in West Virginia. I live in Ohio. It's about a four-hour drive from us. So we were going to make the trip, and we, we made the trip. Thank goodness we made it successfully because this time of year in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, all the places we were going to be, you never know what the weather is going to be like. The weather was cooperative. The traffic wasn't bad. So it was a great uh, a great trip. But it was also the end of the football season. And for me, I am a huge football fan. I, I love when the football season starts every year. I mourn when the football season ends every year, regardless of the outcome. And the outcome this weekend was not great for me, by the way. I'll get into that in a little bit, uh, a little bit later. So on Friday, we, we make the trip over to West Virginia to Morgantown to be there for the, the celebration of Adam and Emily's wedding. And they had the rehearsal dinner Friday night, which we went to. And I left to go watch my Buckeyes play in the Cotton Bowl. And the Buckeyes let me down again after they lost to Michigan earlier. And they let me down in the Cotton Bowl. They played terribly. So that was my my Friday night. But as we were driving to West Virginia, we got a call from the facility where my mother-in-law is living, Margaret. And from hospice saying that she had taken a turn for worse and they were going to up the visits from hospice. And if, in case you don't know, hospice, they they don't want anyone to die alone. So what they try to do is as someone's coming closer to the end, they'll send people more often, once a day, twice a day, three times a day, and, and then up to 24 hours a day to make sure there's someone from hospice there when the person makes their passing. 
So we're getting calls and the wedding was on Saturday and my wife's getting calls during the, um, during the reception where they're saying, okay, well, we're going to put her on once a day visits. We're going to put her on twice a day visits. Oh, she's doing better. She's actually eating now and she's been interacting some. So there was a really back and forth thing, even during the reception on Saturday. So on Sunday, we get up to make the trip back home. And my wife had kind of prayed a little prayer, I guess, to to her mother and to the universe. Please don't pass during the time we're gone. Please don't pass during Adam and Emily's wedding. So we're all out of time. And we're all, you know, we're kind of on pins and needles, especially when we're getting these calls during the reception. But we're driving home and everything seems to be okay. Margaret seems to be hanging in there. And I was listening to a podcast, as I often do. And I was listening to, it was actually Next Level Soul. And there was a guy on there, the guest who had had a near-death experience. And he, in his near-death experience, he had visited with Jesus. And he talked about understanding kind of the meaning of life, and more importantly, the meaning of, of suffering. And he talked about, I thought this was a beautiful way of thinking of suffering, because I've thought about it as like, okay, the suffering is over once we cross over. But he talked about the fact that Jesus kind of took his suffering and, and transmuted it, transformed it into something that's that's glorious. And he's you know, and so he actually embraced his suffering. So I was thinking about that in terms of of Margaret and what she's gone through the last several years. Since her husband Felton passed away, I think about ten or eleven years ago now, I'm not really sure. All she's wanted to do is go be with Felton. All she's wanted to do is to go home. And so we've kind of wanted that for her to be to be really honest or be really frank because she's not the person that that she was. Her body has been failing her. Her she had dementia, so her mind was failing her. She had severe arthritis, so she hasn't walked in a while. And you know we're thinking about Margaret and thinking about you know her passing and knowing that it was coming up and thinking about that feeling you have where you know a day is going to come, you just don't want it to be today. And so we're, I, I remember, you know, thinking with my wife, it's like, okay, well, at least it's, it's not today, maybe. And then just as we're pulling into Cincinnati, we're about 15 minutes from the house on, a, on about a five-hour trip. The phone rings. It's hospice again. And they use the words actively dying, that Margaret is, is actively dying. So Twana starts to call her siblings. And, you know, I'm taking this in. I'm like, okay, I guess this is it. This is it's going to be, you know, pretty soon. And as she was talking to her sister, and she was trying to explain to her sister what Margaret was going through, she started to cry, and, and I started to cry in it, which kind of surprised me a little bit, because we've known for a long time that this day was coming. And we've known for a long time that you know it was something that, she, that Margaret was really looking forward to. So we got home, and my wife decided to go you know, be with her mother. I, we didn't know when it was going to be. We probably know it could still be days. So I stayed home alone and ended up watching my Bengals lose also. So a terrible end of their season, which I knocked them out of the playoffs, that loss. And my wife spent you know, several hours with her mother, about 12 hours, with her mother. And her sister came to town from West Virginia, from where we had just come from. And her brother drove in from Kentucky. And they spent uh, all this time with her, and Margaret didn't pass. So about, I think about 1 o'clock in the morning, my wife came back home after after midnight on New Year's Day, uh, which was the first New Year's we haven't spent together, by the way, and wow, I don't even know, close to 40 years probably. So uh, she comes home, and 3 o'clock in the morning, we get the call that Margaret has has made her transition, that her, her body has stopped functioning, that she's stopped breathing. 
So we go over there and the people come to transport her. And I'm talking to my brother-in-law, Rod, and we're talking about, you know, Margaret's life, which has been an exemplary life. The best mother that anybody could ever hope for, faithful to her, to her husband, James, till, till and past the end, faithful to her six children that are living here and her seven child in spirit. She had triplets and one of them, William Jeffrey, was born, stillborn. But it's always been included as part of the family. But so Margaret was just a, an incredible woman, made an incredible impact at the facility where she was. They called her Miss Lily because her first name is actually Lily, but everybody calls her Margaret, everybody in the family. But they would call her Miss Lily. And we were just amazed by even some of the workers who were off duty and knew that she was about to make her transition, came back to the facility to see if she was still there. So as you know, Tawana and I were reflecting yesterday on on her passing and the way we felt about it and the grief that we were going through. You know, of course we contrasted it with with losing Shana. And what I realized and I think we both realized together is when we lost Shana at the age of 15, the grief was just I don't even know how to explain the pain. I mean, it's it's beyond belief. And it's because it's, you're grieving losing the future, the anticipated future, the memories that you're not going to be able to have, the experiences that you're not going to be able to have. You, you still have the memories of the things you've had together, and you're always going to have those. But you, what you really grieve is the loss of the future. And when I think about with Margaret, we've known for a long time that there was no real future memories with her. Um, we haven't spent a Christmas with her in in years. Uh, we used to bring her home over here for Christmas after felt in the past. Um, we, used, we used to spend Thanksgiving with her, her, of course, but because of her physical disability, her bad knees, she's she was wheelchair-bound the last few years of her life. And the fact when you would take her out of the facility that she was in, she would actually get agitated, and all she could talk about was going back. We stopped taking her out of the facility during those days. So those days of you know the Christmases and Thanksgivings and those types of things you look forward to, we haven't had in a long time. And we did try, we did not try, we did celebrate her birthday in April, her 86th birthday, and the whole family came to the facility where she, she is or where she was. And she slept through most of the time that we were there. And she did kind of come around a little bit toward the end of the time. But it's just been, she hasn't been herself for a very long time. And so when people pass, what I've realized is we mourn the loss of their physical presence. We mourn the loss of them being in the body. But she hasn't fully been in the body for a very long time. And the way I think about the body now, I think of the body as as an avatar. And if you remember the movie Avatar, what they would do when they wanted to get into the, the, the tall blue beings, I can't remember their names, I think there was a Navi, but when they wanted to get into the bodies of those beings, they would go into like a little pod, and the pod was the interface to that to that avatar, and it would animate the avatar, and they would experience the life through the avatar. That's the way I view our, our, our lives here and our bodies here. So our spirit is, is kind of plugged in, and some people say it's through the pineal gland. Some people think it's through the brain in general. Maybe it's through the chakras. We don't know what that interface is, but there's some sort of interface between the spirit and the body. And when someone passes away, Shana did, for example, that's a sudden breaking of that interface. It's like interface is strong one moment, and then you know the body fails, and the interface is broken the next. 
the way I look at it, the way that Margaret declined, it was the slow kind of crumbling of that interface where it was like sometimes she was connected here, sometimes she wasn't. Her spirit always being strong, always being healthy, always being whole, but her body not being able to embody that spirit, if for lack of a better word, her body not be able to function the way that we would like it to. So we were losing that connection even as her body was still here. So that difference of of the way that she transitioned, and I remember my wife saying something I thought was very profound. I think it was yesterday. It had to be yesterday because that was just the day her mother passed. She said, I've cried almost every time coming back from seeing her for the last fill in the blank, I don't know, year, year and a half, two years, because she knew that the person, the the body was not representing who her mother was, and her mother wanted to be free of that body. So we have this mixed thing where it's like, we want our loved ones, right? We want them with us, but we can't have them with us the way that we really want to have them with us or need to have them with us. So we want them the way that they were. And the thing is, even though people say there's no time and time is an illusion, there's no time on the other side, et cetera, in this experience, in this game, in this virtual reality, whatever you want to call it, there is there is time and it only moves in one direction. So we can't go back to the Margaret that we once knew. So we knew the only way out was forward. And that meant for her to actually leave her body. So when that happens, again, just at this point, a little over 24 hours ago, very, very mixed emotions about it. Because while we know that we won't see her physically again, we haven't seen her physically the way we wanted to in a very long time. Anyway, so the grief is very, very different between Margaret and between when we went through with Shana. So I was thinking about this and in terms of the reality that we live in, and I've been working with my friend Cal, and I'm going to be working with her more, and she's going to be on the podcast, and I'm hoping to have her in my community that I'm building discussing these concepts about how this this reality we live in is really a lucid dream and that our loved ones are the ones that are awake and that we are the ones that, that are asleep. Now, it doesn't mean that this isn't, isn't real in a certain sense. The experiences they have, the pain that we have, real. The love that we have, real. The memories that we have, real. We will take those things with us. But the reality itself is not so real. It's not the ultimate reality, and it's certainly not the permanent reality. So as we think about our loved ones in in spirit who can still can, who can sense us as we're going through this dream it really helps to me to, to cope with the the grief and the loss and I think I might link again or I, I can't link to it here in the podcast but there's a song called Home by Stephanie Mills that was in the movie The Wiz so it, it's it's Dorothy the Wizard of Oz that whole thing and she's talking about her friends who are home versus the the reality that she's living in, you know, that that Oz reality, which is not the is not the real reality. So check out that song by Stephanie Mills called Home, and it'll explain some of these concepts to you. So this morning I was taking my my walk, and I haven't walked in several days because I don't take it every single day. I'm not like fanatical about it. And I was taking some time off over the holidays, and then we were traveling and stuff. So I was taking my walk to this morning for the first time in about four or five days, and I walked for about two, about four hour and forty five minutes. So I'm walking and I'm, I'm I'm trying to go into my my heart and feel my feelings and like how do I feel about this? Because 
Frankly, I haven't cried a lot of tears since Margaret passed, even though I feel like Margaret is and was as close to me as a biological mother. I've, I'm very, very connected to Tawana's family. I've known Margaret for nearly 40 years now. She's been by my, my mother-in-law for over 33 years. But as I was thinking about my my grief over her, I was expecting this sadness, but it was really a different emotion. I can't really describe it as sadness. It It's really, I, every time I felt sad, I was like, but what about her? What about her perspective? Every time I felt sad, I'm like, what is it I'm sad about? Well, I'm sad about I'm not going to be able to have those Christmases with her again. I'm sad about that, you know, all the memories I think about, like going to their house, the memories of bringing her to my house, the memories of her and with the girls. But I wasn't going to have those here anyway and haven't experienced that in a very long time. And even though I've seen Margaret, I remember it was about a month and a half, two months ago, she was in the hospital. I thought she was going to die that night. And I remember looking at her even then and thinking, that's not her. It's like, her, that's her body, but that's just, that's not her. That's not who she is. And when I saw her body as they were getting ready to transport it on, what morning was that? Monday morning. On Monday morning, it had the same look as it did that, that night in the hospital. It was kind of like she wasn't there. I, I don't know exactly when her spirit left her body. I expect, or I, I think that during these last several months, it's probably been coming and going. And I think there have been times when it's been there and times when it's not there. And this is backed up by people that have had NDEs or and people that have come through mediums that have said when the spirit starts to go back and forth as we near the end. So I see Margaret's body has been gone for a while. Our spirit has been gone for a while, wanting to go for a while. So I didn't feel that profound sadness that I kind of expected to feel. And as I would try to tap in and and feel Margaret and connect with her, and I'm not a medium, I'm not intuitive like some people are, but all I kept getting was Margaret and Shana and Felton dancing, just having a big party. And I kept thinking about how Shana was probably planning this this homecoming, this reunion. And as Margaret was going through the last several months, you know, or years, talking about her parents, talking about Felton, you know, her finally being there. And that, that just kept coming back to me, that that vision over and over again. And as I wrote a tribute to her yesterday and I was thinking about, you know, her homecoming, the words came to me, the bell of the ball. And, and it kind of came maybe from Lisa Jones describing when her husband passed over, them having this big party and them announcing him. And I could see Margaret coming in and, and, you know, we were having New Year's parties here, of course, on this side, and them having a party for Margaret on the other side. And that was the image that just kept coming to me. So I, I those are the things I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to talk about how every ending is a new beginning and that we only have one life. We have one continuous life. Now, we have phases of our life, just like when we're in the physical body, we are, we are infants and then we're toddlers and then we're you know children then we're teenagers then we're adults and then we're old people and we have these phases in our in our one life where we come into the body and out of the body and we're we're home or wherever you if you want to call it that and then we're back here maybe on earth and then maybe we're there in other locations and so we make these transitions but we have one continuous life and this is again backed up by what people have NDE say for example that's like I didn't even know I was dead, was what some of them say. 
So I want you to think about your own experiences with endings and beginnings. And when we go through an ending, you know, it's okay to be sad about something ending. But also, we should be excited about something else beginning. And why should death of the body be any different? And I, I say very distinctly death of the body because there is no death of the spirit. Only from our perspective has someone someone died because they've, again, broken that connection. That's designed. We're all going to go down this road. And that's not to be morbid. That's not to be sad. It's actually to be grateful because these bodies aren't designed forever and we're not intended to be here in this life forever. So those are my thoughts about uh, what I've gone through, what we're going through. I'm happy, happy, happy for Margaret, for Felton, for Shana, for, for Margaret's parents, for William Jeffrey, who gets to be reunited, reunite with his mother again. I'm very, very happy for them. I, I can say that in all sincerity. I am going to miss the woman physically. It was my mother-in-law, but as I said, I've been missing her for a while. So I'm looking forward to 2024, to sharing with you guys, to continuing to grow this community, continuing to grow this perspective and help share with other people, help you'll share with other people. And let's make this place the best place we can while we're here. And then we'll go have our party. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful day. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.